Hey there, Sabres fans, and uh, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Sabres Talk podcast. Uh, this is Mark Geiss, your host. First, I wanted to update everyone. We are now on iTunes, so feel free to subscribe on there, download the podcast episodes through iTunes. makes it a lot easier than um, any current way you may have been getting the episodes up to this point. Uh, so that's exciting. Finally, it was approved by them. It can take a little bit of time. Um. Just going to talk about some news around the NHL, some big trades. Um, also, Ryan O'Reilly is an all-star. First, I'll talk about O'Reilly, and I really think he, he deserves this honor to go as an all-star to represent the Sabres. I I think it was the right decision. I think there were a lot of questionable decisions that the, uh, that the all-star teams represent, and there were a lot of snubs. I think the one-player-per-team rule... It leaves a lot to be desired. First and foremost, you saw John Scott, because he was voted in, he became the Coyotes representative. And just because of choices you've got to make with the divisional makeup of the teams, there wasn't a spot there then for for Ekman Larson. And that's a crime. He's one of the best defensemen in the game. And now you have a, a fourth-line enforcer going to the All-Star game. Basically... You can you can derive it from that rule and because of the divisional makeup. I do like that the NHL is trying new things and they're trying to spruce up the All Star event to get to get uh to get fans involved and to get maybe people that aren't even big fans of the game to to come to it because it's something unique, something something that you don't see in other sports All Star events. But I think there is a lot of tweaking they're going to need to need to do with this event to make sure that the best players get there. Uh. Sidney Crosby not going, that's a pretty big story. I, I don't think he deserves it, and I do like to see when the best players in the season up to this point are going, and it's not all just based on name recognition. And you see somebody like Steven Stamkos going uh, to represent the Atlantic. I think that's a case of, of name recognition, mostly. Fans do pay to see the stars, so I understand that, but you also want to honor the players that have played the best up to this point, and Seeing Stamkos go over somebody like Mike Hoffman for the Senators, I think, isn't fair to Hoffman with the kind of pace that Hoffman's playing. And it would it would have been great to see Hoffman in the in the shooting competition. Also, the the one player, the at least one player per team rule, it results in Leo Komarov going for the Leafs, and he's played very well so far, and he's been one of the big stories of guys kind of coming out of nowhere this year, but. For Komarov to be there and for somebody like Mike Hoffman to not be there, I I think it's bad for the game, bad for the fans, because it should be the best players there. And I understand you don't want to alienate a fan base, and especially in the case of Komarov, it would be potentially alienating the Toronto fan base, where if they don't have a player going, they may just tune out. But I think if you look at if you look at all the positives and negatives, the net benefits greatest when you have the best players there, regardless of what team they're coming from. Um, also, I thought a, a huge snub was uh, John Kling, uh, John Klingberg for the Stars. The kind of numbers he's put up, and he's on one of the top teams in the NHL, I thought it was pretty surprising that he's not going to be there. Uh, I think he's one of those guys, like, a, like I said before, he's not one of those name recognition stars quite yet. 
But if you're looking strictly at who's played best in this season to this point, he certainly deserves to be there. Um, also, Blake Wheeler is another guy that falls into that category. Uh, I know that that division is really good. There are a lot of great players in it, so it makes sense that somebody like Wheeler will fall by the wayside. But for Dustin Bufflin to be Winnipeg's representative there rather than Blake Wheeler just doesn't make sense to me. Wheeler is, I believe, seventh in the NHL in scoring right now and does it all. He's, he's big. He, you know, he holds his own physically, plays in all situations. So Wheeler should have also been there. And I understand he doesn't have that, that huge name recognition, that huge star value. But if you're going to play within this, Every team has to have at least one player represented, at least have the player go that's that's most deserving. And I think Wheeler deserved it significantly more than Bufflin. While I love watching Bufflin play, and probably the average fan knows a lot more about Bufflin than they do about Wheeler, Wheeler has without a doubt had the better season to date. But I'm excited to see what the what the whole format looks like and how it, how it all plays out. I'll, I'll definitely be tuning in, and I'm not a huge all-star game guy. But I'll be tuning in because it's something different. So I think, yeah, we can criticize the NHL for the choices that were made. But at the end of the day, I think most of us are going to be watching just because just because it is unique. Um, and it's going to be fun to see O'Reilly there and see him representing the Sabres because he certainly deserves it. I did think that, uh, that Ristolainen had an outside chance to make it. Um, I'm not heartbroken that he didn't with some of the great defensemen in, in the Atlantic division. You know, when you've got... Guys like Victor Hedman and Eric Carlson and P.K. Subban in the division. It's going to be tough for a defenseman to make an all-star team in a format like this where it's by division and where there are only three defensemen being chosen. Uh, so good for O'Reilly. Congrats to him. I think every Sabres fan was very happy at that selection and knows that he's very deserving. And I'm glad to see him get some some league-wide praise for what he's, what he's brought to the team this year. Uh, another... Big piece of news from yesterday was the Ryan Johansson-Seth Jones trade between the Blue Jackets and the Predators. This is huge. I was, I looked at my phone, uh, saw this, saw this trade, and I was just silent for for a couple seconds. And because you you just don't see one for one trades like this anymore. It's kind of more of an old school throwback type of thing where two high profile players get traded for each other. And I think this is one of those trades where it's really a win-win deal. Uh, the Blue Jackets were having a lot of trouble with Johansson, and I don't think they would have been able to keep him. I don't think he would have re-signed there. He, he's a restricted free agent after next year, where he'll be qualified, obviously. But if he accepts his qualifying offer, his one-year qualifying offer, he can become an unrestricted free agent after that. So he could become an unrestricted free agent after the 2017-2018 season. And I think had the Blue Jackets held on to him and really rode the situation out, that's probably what he would have done. And I don't blame him. If you can, if if that's your only option to really get paid what you're worth is to take yourself to unrestricted free agency, I have no problem with that. You're playing within the structure of the rule, within the structure of the game, and and how the and how the rules are are uh, are made. But for Nashville to be able to acquire a guy like him, he's so talented, and number one centers are the toughest position to acquire in this league. So if you have a chance to get a number one center, especially when you don't have one, which Nashville doesn't have one, and 
They never have had one in their entire franchise's history. I think you can make an extremely good argument. They've never had a number one center. So now that they have the chance to get him, they've always been strong defensively. And yes, you have a, a very promising potential star defenseman in Seth Jones. But if that's the cost it takes to bring in a number one center, I think you've got to do that. For them to win a championship, they have to have that stud player down the middle. And I think Johansson can be that. It's it's going to be up to him how he responds to the trade. And does he show up? Does he end up committing to Nashville long term? All that's really unknown. But I like his chances. And I think that's a good system. It's a good franchise. And I think it's going to work out for them with Johansson long term. And they have the depth defensively to be able to trade a guy like Seth Jones, even though they were in love with him, even though a lot of people around the league are in love with him. And then looking at it from Columbus's perspective, because they almost certainly were going to lose Johansson within about two and a half years, um, to be able to bring in a potential number one defenseman like like Jones is is a is a great move for them. And he's still cost controlled. He, you know, he they will be facing restricted free agency with him, but he's going to be a lot easier to lock up than a Johansson is. And yes, you're projecting a bit more with him than you are with Johansson. You've already seen Johansson be a high-level borderline elite player in this league. Jones, you haven't seen that yet, but it it makes a lot of sense. And with the way Columbus is constructed, they have a lot more pieces up front, fewer pieces on the back end, though they're still pretty surprising, on, or uh, they're still going to be very entertaining on the back end and very promising on the back end. They've got Ryan Murray. Seth Jones, and they also have Zach, Zach Wierenski, who they drafted last year. And that's a that's three potential top-pairing defensemen right there. So this is one of those this is one of those win-win deals. You know, not every not every time a team has to win a deal. Uh, a lot of times teams have different needs and they find that that right swap. What's rare about this deal, win-win deals aren't rare, but what's rare about this deal is that it's just a one-for-one swap. And it's rare to have that one-for-one one swap that you can say is pretty even. And I think most most people's analysis, you can look at this from both sides and completely see the, th- the thought process. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I am rooting for Johansson. I, th- I think he's had a rough year, year and a half, and he, he hasn't made a lot of friends. But I like Nashville for the most part, and I would like to see them eventually make a real championship run. And I think this is the type of piece that that they need to do that. And on Columbus's end, I think they're assembling a pretty good young collection of, of pieces. They're going to have another high pick this year, and I think Jones can be a part of that core moving forward. So that was huge news. Obviously the biggest trade of the year so far. Most of the deals have been just little minor trades of minor league players and you know nothing that is really nothing that really warranted talk from fans all around the league. There was actually another trade that surprised me earlier in the day yesterday, which was uh which is the Luke Shen and Vinny LeCavillet trade. And I don't get this trade from the Kings perspective. So they gave up Jordan Wheel in a third round pick to get LeCavillet and Shen back. Uh both 50% retained, so their their salary is 50% retained by the Flyers. But I just don't understand how you can give up assets for these two pieces. And maybe they're thinking Luke Shen can have a can have a turnaround for them. 
He's had some pretty decent seasons, and maybe at, at 50% salary, he might be somewhat worth it. But they're, they're a team that's already up against the cap, and this may force them to make some pretty tough decisions with how they stay cap compliant down the stretch. What else is new with the Kings, right? But LeCavillet, he's not he's not an NHL player anymore. He Maybe he can find a niche on your third line, but... He's, he's borderline at this point, and there's a reason why he was being scratched in Philly and why he doesn't have a role in Philly. So I don't really get this from the Kings' perspective, and they tend to be one of the better managed teams in the league, but they've been pretty poor at cap management. And you look at the Mike Richards situation and how they handled that, how they didn't use their compliance buyout to, to get rid of him while they had the chance. They ended up lucking out and being able to get out of his contract. But... They've had cap issues, and I think this deal is going to put them into real cap hell, potentially cap hell again. So I don't really get it. I think Ron Hexel is doing a great job in Philly, though, to shed himself of, of these contracts. It's He's doing a very good job. He's a crazy goaltender, very entertaining to watch, but he's turning into quite a good GM, and now you've got to see what he does with the new flexibility after getting out of a lot of these contracts, what can he do then? You know, can he can he take them the next step to actually being a contender? He's kind of done a great job tearing it down and getting rid of, getting rid of a lot of the fat, but can he now transition and take them back upward again? And that that'll be interesting to see. I also need to note that Lecavillet has said that he's going to retire after this year, so his contract still had two more years remaining on it after this year, which is why it was such an albatross. But he said that he's going to retire after this year, so it'll take the salary off of LA's books and off of Philly's books. So it makes the trade look less bad, but I still I don't like it from an LA perspective, and I like it a lot from a Philadelphia perspective. To be able to get a third-round pick for those two pieces, and Jordan Wheel. Um, also, Mike Richards, I mentioned him before. He's re-signed with the Washington Capitals, one-year, $1 million deal prorated uh, the rest of the season. And I like that move a lot for Washington. There's really no risk. If he doesn't work out, if he isn't in the best of shape or whatever, they can they can get rid of him and it, have it not count at all against the cap, essentially. So I like that move. Best case scenario, he fits into that bottom six and they've figured out their, their third line center concerns. Worst case scenario, he, he's gone in a few weeks and... They're really no no worse off for it, except for having paid a guy a couple hundred thousand dollars, hundred thousand dollars. So that was a nice move. I, with everything that's happened with Mike Richards, I'd like to see him get back into the league. I, you hate to see a guy fall off like that. I, because of his days in Philly, I'm never going to be a fan of his. But you hate to see somebody just fall off a cliff like that, and basically, his life is. His life looked like it was ruined. So this this could be a situation where he really revitalizes himself. And and I I would like to see the Capitals make a run for it this year, um, especially with it looking like the Sabres are out. I'd like to see Ovechkin get a cup finally. I, I like the way that he plays. And who, who knows if they'll be able to get it done, but maybe Mike Richards can be one of those bottom six pieces that every cup contender seems to find. Every cup winner ends up finding that guy or two that just fits into the perfect uh, complementary role. 
So a lot of league-wide stuff yesterday. Another thing that came out today, which is relevant to the Sabres, I know I'm doing a lot of around the NHL talk, but uh, Brandon Gormley was placed on waivers by the Colorado Avalanche. And he'd been in Wah's doghouse. Wah seems to fall in love with these fringier types of, uh, you know, AHL, NHL tweeners, guys like Nate Gennon. And I don't know why you'd stick with with a guy like him instead of trying to figure it out with Gormley, who's still only 23 years old. But for whatever reason, they've placed him on waivers. It's, it, he's not... He's not a bona fide NHL defenseman yet, but when you look at two of the defensemen the Sabres have on their roster, specifically one of them, but you have Mike Weber and Carlo Koliakovo, who are not going to be here for the long term, who have, Mike Weber has played pretty well the last couple weeks. Uh, Koliakovo had, I thought he played pretty decently to start the season, but both of them, their contracts are up after this season, and they're going to be. Uh, they're almost certainly going to be gone. Maybe you'll see Mike Weber brought back on a, on a one-year deal or something to that effect. But if you look at somebody like Gormley, you can claim him. He's left-handed, which is pretty important with all the righties they have right now on the roster. He's a lefty. He's 23 and very highly touted player. Defensemen tend to take longer to develop, so you don't know. There still has to be untapped upside there. And... Reading what Colorado fans have had to say, he hasn't been bad this year. He he's looked like probably their fifth best defenseman. He they think he should have been in the lineup every night, but once again, Wa for whatever reason either didn't like him or like some other guys more. And now here we are with him on waivers. So if Columbus passes on him, Buffalo's next in the waiver order. I think Murray's got to take a chance on this guy. You don't you don't have a commitment beyond this year. So worst case scenario. He doesn't work out, you wave him later, and you're not going to be on the hook for any money beyond this year. Best case scenario is you find somebody who fits the age timeline of this team and can be someone, maybe not a top four guy, but maybe a maybe a bottom pairing defenseman. I think it's worth taking the risk, and these are the kind of risks that they need to take. Um, they're, these risks, they're not even risks either. They're, there's no risk, essentially, and moderate reward. So... I'd really like to see the Sabres put in a claim for Gormley. I think it makes too much sense not to happen. And of course, when something makes too much sense, usually it doesn't happen. So I wouldn't be surprised for whatever reason to see him pass through and some other team claim him. I do think he will get claimed, though, whether or not the Sabres claim him. I think some team in this league will will claim him. Uh, defensemen, especially high-drafted defensemen that have shown flashes of talent, they'll, they'll get chance and, chance and chance again, and I think Gormley's going to be no different. So hopefully Murray's thinking long and hard right now and ends up putting in a claim for Gormley tomorrow before the, the noon Eastern time deadline. Uh, I think that if he was claimed, you would see Carlo Koliakovo being the guy uh, waved and sent down, and you still have eight eight defensemen on the roster once Pesic gets back. So you don't have to do that until Pesic gets back. But you would see Gormley become the seventh guy, Weber be the eighth guy, and then Koliakovo down in the minors, assuming that he doesn't get claimed. Um, that That's really the, the O'Reilly news and the Gormley news are the only real Sabre-relevant news. Um, just a lot of league-wide stuff, so I thought I'd... I, I thought it was worth me taking some time to 
to talk about it and give my thoughts on on what happened with the big Johansson Jones trade and um, and also what uh, Phillies and LA's trade. Um, once again, like I said before, uh, we are we are now on iTunes, so make sure to go on there and subscribe so you can have the the episodes automatically downloaded. Uh, you can email me or comment on my website. Um, my email is markrgeis at gmail.com. My last name is spelled G-E-I-S-E. Um, my website is my first and last name, .wordpress.com. You can leave comments on there. The, that's where all the episodes are posted. Um, also, if you want to get if you want to get in touch with me on Twitter, uh, my handle is at Mark Geis, at my first and last name. So thank you so much again for the listen. Uh, I'm really enjoying this, being able to give my thoughts and be able to put it out there in an easy, easy to, to digest, easy to digest uh, product. So I appreciate it and have a fantastic night. Thank you.